When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny. And the guests are sound. Through the ups and the downs. Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round. Find out what it means. Everton will break your heart. But you're still your team. And the Premier League is back tomorrow. Can you believe it? Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you would have just seen Paddy Boylan punch the air. I didn't realise it was on YouTube. I, re- I instantly regret that now. Well, I <laughs> I also regret it in a way. But we're going to have to put it up now, aren't we? Because people want to see these things. But yeah, obviously, yeah. it's going to be Dave doing this show today. But we've had a, a late substitution. And this is my only day off this week, Patrick. So I had a plan that I was going to take the dog this morning, go for a run afterwards, and then finally put some actual, you know, clothes on and do my hair and all sorts and, and go out a little bit later so but instead i've just rolled out of bed looking like this hair all over the show but you know it's worth it to speak to you how are you, how are you doing mate? <laughs> i'm good i'm good yeah um don't think i'm entirely ready for the football season to start again i haven't really got over the trauma of last year <laughs> i think that probably aged me and my hairline about three years over the course of the of the season it does um, feel early doesn't it it, I mean, it is early, isn't well, it? It is, it is early, but it feels it, doesn't it, as well? It, it feels, feels, it feels it. earlier than I thought it would feel, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the Qatar World Cup's got a lot to answer for here as well. Like, I'm still not fully on board with the... Well, I'm not on board with the idea of it in general. This weird season where in November everything pauses and Everton head off to Australia for a... You call it a mid-season tour play Celtic in and, and, uh, one of the Sydney sites. Just so bizarre. Feels like a kind of dramatic restructuring and maybe the start of a precedent moving forward for, for things to be altered. But um, no, what it does mean is that we get to see Everton on Saturday. So <laughs> positive or negative, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, absolutely. And things are moving so quick this, this week. Feels yeah. like since we got back from the States, it's, it's just yeah. all been going on. Obviously, 
McNeil was linked and then was an Everton player really within 24 yeah. hours. Adrissa Gay all of a sudden became a, a target and as we sit here on Thursday morning, that one looks like it's going to happen. And remarkably, Paddy, Everton have gone from being paupers with absolutely no money to spend <laughs> whatsoever 12 hours ago to lashing 30 million euros at a relative unknown but really promising midfielder from France in Amadou Anana. Um, obviously signed for Lille last season. Um, great reputation, looked like he was on his way to West Ham, but Everton have, have come in and, you know, it's been reported this morning, you guys at the Athletic have reported this morning that, that Everton have had a, an offer accepted, this, well, they've matched West Ham's offer and they're, they're very, very hopeful of, of getting this this done. I mean, talk, talk, talk us through it because it's been, <laughs> been a, a bizarre Bizarre twelve hours because when I, when I went to bed last night and saw this, I thought, nah, this is just this is just rumor mongering. It's probably his agent trying to get him a bit more cash from West Ham. He, he may panic, but it looks like it's probably going to happen at this point. Yeah, I, I knew it was, I knew it was a tangible link because they've been after an, a, a player, an additional player to supplement Garner for a while now. They've they've had the interest in two midfielders wanted kind of a number six and a number eight. I suppose people have their opinions on which one is which in this in this scenario. Tend to think Garner probably plays a little bit deeper to start. Uh, should he join with Anana in the number eight alongside another? Um, but they've had interest in two midfielders for a while now. That's always been the plan as it was framed to us. And we've been aware that they have, despite complaints from some supporters, they have cast the net quite far and wide particularly into Europe in, in the search for this number six. So I think at one stage they did wonder whether they would find their ideal target. I mean, the things they want from a number six, as we understand it, you, you kind of, if you put it all together, you're looking at a 70, 80 million pound player. You're looking at Declan Rice or, or Rodri or, dare I say it, Fabinho. Um, but we knew there was interest in, in players in France. We, we, we referenced interest in Onana before. Um, and knew that the club were really quite keen on him if a deal could be done. I suppose the big question for me throughout the summer has been, could they actually finance the thing? How do Everton stump up 30 million? I suppose we're still working on that detail. And I think that those are questions and those are conversations that still need to be had. Obviously, the fees come in for Richarlison, so that helps massively, particularly in relation to last year's FFP cycle. But Everton will also spread out the cost of an honest fee should he sign over the course of a, of a lengthy contract. So let's say ballpark, Everton signing for 30 million. He's on a five-year deal. You're looking at, in the accounts, six, five payments of six million over the, over the course of that, of that deal. They will also look to do it in instalments as they did with Dwight McNeil. I mean, we reported the other day that the Dwight McNeil fee could well reach 20 million pounds if all clauses are met. But the initial down payment's around 5 million. This is the way Everton are looking to do things, looking to be careful with uh, FFP, looking to be careful with cash flow, make sure their money stretches as far as possible. And I wouldn't be kind of entirely dismissive of the loan market as well. I think there's probably things you can look at with Chelsea, other clubs, um, if you want to supplement the squad. So exciting. For, for once, I think most of the most of the window up to now has been a bit of a damn square, hasn't it? In, in terms of what Everton have or haven't done, a lot of frustration early doors at the, the sale of Richarlison and that not being followed up by kind of immediate 
reinforcements, immediate purchases. The key moment for me is the Minnesota game. Um, Lampard's comments after the Minnesota game, which were particularly pointed. Up to that point, he'd kind of been quite positive when he'd spoken to us and he'd done things in um, with, with other media. But obviously the nature, the manner of the defeat against Minnesota, the fact that they really, they, they tried to morph to the 4-3-3, but it didn't come off and they just looked so soft-centred again. I think that sounded alarm bells, even though it's a pre-season friendly, that sounded alarm bells. So really pointed and then no surprise that the week after Dwight McNeil comes in, Vinagra comes in and things move from there. Now, the targeting central midfielders, they, they will ramp up the search for a forward now that Calvert-Lewin's gone. And I think that's kind of a number one priority now. Uh, if it wasn't before, Calvert-Lewin's injury, I mean, I was, I was looking at the options and Richard, the beauty of Richarlison was that he was simultaneously the first choice just from the left and also back up to, to Calvert-Lewin. So if you had him this weekend, you'd play Richarlison through the middle and then you'd have McNeil one side with, with maybe um, Gordon or Gray the other. That's not feasible. And it immediately means that in normal circumstances, you're leaning on a Salomon Rondon or you're leaning on somebody else. Um, maybe even a Deli Alley this weekend, given that Rondon's suspended. So they're really like the, really, really like there, as we all know. And that's something they're going to need to work on. And I, I think it, it has to be a priority once the midfield signings are out of the way. But yeah, how are you, how are you feeling about it all? Yeah, no, I like I do like this signing, and I've, I've seen very little. Don't watch as much European footy as you know we used to. I'm used to our European football show on on Radio City Talk every week, but it's um, it's one of them where I think I think this one in particular, and I've sort of been thinking this over the last few weeks, but this one in particular points towards a change of approach for me in regards yeah. to the way in which to do things. Because you, you can look at all the other ones apart from Anand, and you can say Tarkovsky. Obvious, straightforward, not necessarily straightforward, but, you know, it's a sign that, that makes a lot of sense. It's right there in front of you. He's been in the Premier League for a long time. Same with McNeil. Vinagre, obviously, there's links there with yeah. Falwell. We spoke about yeah. him before. And Garner, you know, was still in the phone book from when he was there three years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, so they've all sort of been straightforward signings. And I've sort of been able to, to legislate for that a bit because it's been widely reported everywhere that, Everton are up against the wall, effectively, financially, and they're having they, to pretty pinch. And they're having they, to, they certainly know. were. They, yeah. they so, certainly were, yeah. So I can sort of understand understand that. And I, sort of, I wasn't necessarily happy about it, but, you know, I could accept it. But I think this one's really encouraging. And, you know, it's something that... I think we wanted to see more from Everton for a while in regards to broadening the horizons a little bit in terms of... Both looking at players from further afield yeah. on the continent, you know the French the French market's been a huge market down the years, hasn't it? Which players have come in and to the Premier League and, and they've excelled and they've kicked on and there's so many talented young footballers that go there and, and develop. So I'm happy to see that the club doing that. And the other thing as well is that it, it seems as though Everton are looking a bit more, you know. The more willing to embrace the the data and the analytical side of it because everything that you know, you look at this this lad. He's only started eleven games last year in, in league, and there's not really a huge sample size. I think Mick Greenall said on Twitter before he's only played three thousand senior minutes, so there's not really a great sample size there. 
But they've obviously looked at his profile. They've looked at the way he plays, looked at the attributes he's got. I'm sure they would have looked at his personality as well and whether he's going to fit in in that sense. That, that's something that's dead important. Yeah. And they've actually done a, a creative signing. It, well, they might be about to do a creative signing. It seems like it's, it's going to be not something that we all could have predicted. And listen, I'm sure there'll be people out there who are listening to this going, God, he only started 11 games in France's top flight. He's only played 3,000 minutes and we're paying 30 million euros for him potentially. That feels like a, a bit of a gamble. But yeah. I, don't, I don't know about you, mate, but I've always been of the opinion that if we're going to maybe overspend a little bit on a player, I'd rather it be someone of that that age. I mean, yeah. look, look at look at the, the Moise Keane situation now, for example. He flopped at Everton massively, yeah. and it looks like they're potentially going to get the money back, if not a bit more from him, when that deal eventually goes through in, in a, a year's time. And that's because he's young, because the opportunity was there to send him out on loan to, to another club, for him to go and prove himself to a certain degree. And clubs will look at him and go, well, it's not gone well for him there. Maybe in the future it will. And they're more willing to potentially give you 70, 80% of your investment back. And that, that's where it sort of, I think it ticks a lot of boxes. I think we've got a lot yeah. of a lot of research to do and a lot of learning to do about what type of player this lad is and whether he can come in straight away. But I like the idea of the transfer, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I do as well. And I think there has to be out of necessity a focus on younger players, a focus on resale value. Everton got themselves into the situation they're in or they were in because they spent lavishly on players like Morgan Schneidlin, Theo Walcott. So you're taking players that have flopped, let's say, at top teams towards the latter part of the careers, maybe in their peak or just moving out of the peak, but certainly starting to decline. But I've given them wages they would get effectively at those top four, top six clubs, Champions League wages. Then a couple of years down the line, they tried to flog them and it's been really difficult. We saw it with Jenk Tosin, Bernard and James having to go to the Middle East because nobody else would take him. So I think out of necessity that the, there has to be a change and they know that. In general, I think moving forward, we've said that one of the key outcomes of the strategic review is that they do want young and hungry players. But for a variety of reasons this summer, they've, they've had their hands tied. One of them is a, a purely a financial thing, um, particularly in that period late June before the Richarlison sale. Um, the other, I think as well, is that they're in quite a delicate position here insofar as they only narrowly avoided relegation last year. So you're not going to take a punt and flood your team, I don't think, with 20 or 21-year-olds. You, you do kind of need to reinforce and, and add a bit of stability and solidity. I asked Lampard towards the end of the season what he wanted from new recruits. And it was quite interesting that the first word he used was he wanted them to be more robust. So there was a focus on them playing more games, being available for longer. It's all well and good having a Yerry Mina, who I think is a fantastic player for Everton when he's on the pitch, really makes a difference. But if he's only available for a third of the games and he's costing Barcelona wages, then it becomes a difficult equation for them. So... I think they've wanted, when they've looked at players, they've wanted guys that have a proven track record of playing games, have a proven track record of adding stability and solidity to a side, like Tarkovsky. So the idea is somebody like Tarkovsky comes in and no, he's not young and hungry. He might be hungry, by the way. He's, he's certainly not young. Um, and he comes in and they take a little bit of a hit on him financially, but he's kind of the pillar of the defence moving forward. And I think you can legislate for a few of those guys. I think you can have 
an experienced centre-back who's going to immediately shore up things. Uh, an experienced number six who's immediately going to come in and slot into the side and improve it. When you've just been in a relegation battle, you do kind of need that as well. And I think there's been an acceptance of that. So there's that, there's that binary at the moment. I think moving forward as we hopefully start to move up the table, I still think you'll see more signings like Onana, for example, than you will do a Tarkovsky or a, uh, an Idrissa Gay. Um, but no, it's exciting. It's exciting. I mean, I've written for, for a while, actually, that they, that they have the most scouts in Europe in France. When they got rid of their kind of heads of recruitment, if you want to call them that, in Italy and Portugal, and got in somebody to effectively cover a number of those leagues, they kept two or three senior guys in France. So they've always looked at that market. I would have liked them to have tapped into it more in recent seasons when they had money. I think that would have been uh, the way to go. It's been the way to go for a while now. But hopefully this is the start of Everton beginning to recruit in a, in a more intelligent way, in a more considered way. Probably out of necessity, they, they've almost needed to go back to that. They've needed to look at things and go, well, we need to do our due diligence properly. Everything has to be cost-effective. So I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing in the world for Fahad Bashiri not to have much money at this point. It, 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 it almost rules out that let's go and sign James Rodriguez on 200 plus grand a week. Um, they, they kind of forced down this path and I'm quite happy with it. Yeah, totally agree. And I think what else, what else I like about it as well is that, you know, you mentioned Tarkovsky and Ghana there. You know, they in a way, take the pressure off all those other young lads, don't they, as well? You know, you look at all the, the three yeah. young players that have sort of come through the door in uh, Vinagre, in McNeil, and potentially in Anana as well. You can see a situation there where Everton are into the midst of the season and, you know, things are going okay. You don't necessarily have to play all of them in your best starting eleven. Everton are not going to be dependent entirely on any of those young players, are they? You know, maybe McNeil to, to, a, to a degree, but you look at those two positions either side of a centre-forward or, well, maybe, maybe a false nine as, as, as it's going to be. Or the, yeah. I should say those three forward positions. You know, Everton have got options there. You know, there'll be people with question marks and doubts over the players that play there. But they've got Deli Alley, they've got Gordon, they've got Gray, they've got Iwobi. McNeil. They've got Townsend coming back in January potentially as well. You know, we'll be, we'll nice to be seen what, what, he, what he offers still. But mm. and they will potentially have Calvert-Lewin when he's back fitting him in a month or so's time. And then if they go and sign another striker as well. So there are options there. And I think you're not going to look at Anana and say, now you're coming in, lad, and you're going to play every game in the Premier League for a team that's struggling. And things might get a bit hairy and a bit ropey at times. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on you. No, you can bring him in here and there and, and drop him into games that you think might suit him. You can bring him off the bench because as much as the midfield is, is an issue, if Everton are going to play this 5-4-1 or 3-4-3, whatever you want to call it, you look at the, the two holding midfielders in that system and you could probably go Garner and Decore or Garner yeah. and Alan or Iwobi's played in there. You know, there's not... I quite like that as much as he seems like a talented player, I imagine will we'll come in and do well and, and be very exciting. There's not going to be that instant pressure on him to come in straight away because signing players like Garner and signing players like Tarkovsky just give you that that little bit of extra stability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's why you bring those leadership qualities in. And obviously Lampard's spoken a lot already about what James Tarkovsky will will bring in the dressing room and on the pitch. 
it's not just technical ability, it's not just defensive nous. It's the ability to guide his teammates through the game and also kind of grab them by the coattails at times and just pull them with him. Um, Have you seen much of Anana Paddy, just out of interest? I mean, do you see him loads, no. number six or or box to box? You know, doing the classic YouTube scout review this morning. Yeah. He seems like a lad who's got, you know, it's not just highlights of him tackling or or shooting or dribbling. It seems like there's a, there's a bit of an all-round package there from, from what I can gather from those small samples. Yeah, I mean, there is. I've not, I've not seen loads of him, but I've probably looked at him over the last month or so. Um, when I started to hear about interest, started to look at his data, started to look at his his, his, his kind of Y-Scout clips. I think he's got more to his game than to just be the sitter. That's not to say he can't be a number six. Maybe in time he'll end up there. But he's, he's obviously very big. He's very rangy. And I think you sometimes when you look at him, he, he, he moves really well with the ball, likes to progress the ball forwards. Um, I I mean, I, I said earlier, I think Everton wanted a number six and a number eight. It's debatable which way round the Ghana-Onana thing is. But for now, I think you probably see Idrissa Gay take most defensive responsibility with Onana allowed to more, more or less just go around and crunch people, <laughs> um, make use of his energy, make, make use of his legs, make use of his physicality. Those players are always better there than I think just being stationed just in front of the defence. So what Everton are getting is I think they're getting a player who can play six and eight in Onana. I think that's incredibly important. So if they want to do three, four, three, then you could play Gay and Onana together as a two. If they go 4-3-3, three, three, then you've got Gay or Onana who can play at the base. You've got Onana who can play as one of your two number eights. It gives them options, and that's what they've wanted. They've wanted extra f- flexibility. One of the things Lampard keeps coming back to is how this season the rules have changed with substitutes. You're allowed five now instead of three. And what that means is the squads and the teams that are going to succeed are the ones that have options on the bench. They want um, depth, they want game changes, all that kind of stuff. So Everton are going to need to move with that. Everton are going to need to move with the times. And I think in forward positions, it's why McNeil helps because it may mean ultimately you end up with a, a Gordon or a Gray on the bench at times. It may, may mean that Townsend's on the bench when he's, when he's, um, when he's back fit. And like Anthony Gordon coming off the bench or even Damari Gray against tired legs uh, is, is, is quite a, an exciting prospect. So it's, it's all part of, I think, the movement where every Premier League club needs to go this season with the rule changes. Everton are no different. Um, but they're getting a flexible player. They're getting a player who can play a number of different roles. Really good in the defensive side of the game, winning the ball back, ball recoveries, tackles, interceptions, all that kind of stuff. But does have something going forward. Um, what, what I've, from what I've seen, I mean, he's only 20 years of age. So I think he is still a little bit raw. He's still learning and refining his game. He's, he's four years younger than Nathan Broadhead, who we still refer to, even myself, as a youngster at times. Uh, he's only a year older than Lewis Dobbin, if that. Um, so we have to kind of put him in the same sort of bracket, even though he's had senior football. I have to realise that there's still going to be progress in his game, still room to grow. Um, but there's an awful lot to work with, I think, both on a physical and the technical side. And I, I think that's one of the things that appeals. Everton knew they needed more. Uh, physicality, particularly in the centre of the park. 
yeah, there's two other things just to finish off on this. Two other things that give me hope about this deal as well. Leal, they're good at recruitment. Typically, yeah. they sign really good players. So the fact that they've got an identified and bodes well. And of course, Paddy David Moyes. David Moyes has chased this lad all summer, and he's got a typically got a good eye for a player. Certainly, yeah. a, a holder midfield. I think there's been quite a few comparisons to to Marouane Fellaini actually I've seen online when I've been looking. So. Uh, those two things bode well, at least yes. in regards to this. So. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, let's talk about some actual football because as much as we're getting carried away, mate, and excited about this dynamic new midfield, <laughs> actually going into the first game of the season on Saturday with no strikers whatsoever. Um, but I'm still I'm still looking forward to it. I'm still looking forward to, to being back at Goodison. Obviously, it's going to be the coach yeah. welcome. It's going to be... I love the first day of the season and just you know, seeing the new kits. I love watching match of the day of the night and seeing yeah. always that play. You go, oh, God, I didn't realise he, he'd signed for, for them or, or he was there. Or... There's always a shock result, isn't it? Like, someone always gets, someone all, oh, this is like, I've seen that football conspiracy theories Twitter account doing the rounds. I, I maintain that a newly promoted club always goes somewhere away from home on the opening day and levers someone. Yeah. That seems yeah. to happen every season. Yeah, I mean, I was I was thinking about this. I was like, could Forest do that to somebody? But then they're away at Newcastle, and I think Newcastle probably start with a bit of wind in their sails. I, I reckon Forest go there, like Forest go there with four one or something mad like that. That's what usually happens. Yeah, always. And there's always like a an Amiyazaki or a, what was the <laughs> other Egyptian striker called? What beat you? Yeah, they, just somebody that just goes on a mad run at the start of the season, and everybody like jumps to get them in the fancy football team, like an Emmanuel Dennis or whoever it may be. So that's always really intriguing. Um, it's just nice to be back. It'll be, it'll be lovely to be back at Goodison. I was away for the Dynamo Kiev game. Did some of the stuff in the, in the US, as, as most listeners will probably know. Um, but I haven't been back to Goodison since the Palace game. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be nice. Um, a little bit of trepidation ahead of the new season. Still don't think Everton, even if they, well, even if they get a few more signings over the line in midfield. Doubt that will be done. Both will be done by Saturday and in time to be registered. Still feels like you say, like they're, they're a bit undercooked, particularly up front, um, lacking in options and might have to be a half-baked solution for a week or so until reinforcements hopefully come in. Um, yeah, so there's a little bit of trepidation there. Just in a general sense of, am I ready mentally, physically, emotionally for the new season? Probably not. But I mean, I'm not the, the most important person here. The most, the most important thing is that Everton are. So um, it will be good to be back. It'll be good to be back. I'll, I'll look forward to being back in the press box. And Everton have now got uh, an agreement with home baked pies, haven't they? Did you see that on there? Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. 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 So I've, I, I've, I just hope that extends to the media area and that, that comes into our, <laughs> <laughs> my one hope for Saturday, apart from the result. Isn't it Laura Gates who sits very close to the press box? Just get out of the over. Yeah. She does, but she, she also um, she tries to get me to sneak stuff out of the the, the, the half time media lounge, um, food and hot chocolates and all this kind of stuff. Oh, 
Come on, I don't think I think she's away, so she won't be there to, to do your smuggling for you. I just look, I just look terrible, like walking out with like three hot chocolates. <laughs> I don't look like a complete fatty or or uh, somebody that's smuggling stuff yeah. out for every, every doing everything out of uh, <laughs> out of some money. Um, well, no, I think I think everyone loves getting back to Goodison, don't they? It, I mean, like particularly after the Palace game, it, it, like, it'll conjure some amazing memories and. Really disappointing season, really, really disappointing season. Hopefully, we're not that in that situation again anytime soon. But because of the sheer peril, the emotions that followed that, I mean, that's better than I think the celebrations there were better than if Everton had won a trophy or just as good. Um, and that's the funny thing. I mean, we, we spoke to Paul Clement during pre season, we spoke to Frank Lampard during pre season. What, what, what did that game mean to you in the, in the context of your career? And in Paul Clement's case, that's um, that, that's been at Real Madrid, that's been at PSG, that's winning all the major trophies. Frank Lampard's case, the same. And they both, and I, I did believe them legitimately said it, it is right up there. It may, I think Paul Clement said it may well be the number one moment because of the celebrations, the, the sheer relief and how that manifests itself after the game. Um, I don't think I'll ever forget those nights. I, yeah. I, I'll never, ever forget Leicester away. And I was in, I was in the media... Uh, the media area, so parallel almost to the away fans. Never ever forget that. Never ever forget the the celebrations after Crystal Palace and even some of the other things like the Chelsea game and and everything else. It's, being able to go back into the stadium and immediately rekindle those memories, I think, will be will be lovely. Uh, I just hope that then the ninety minutes afterwards <laughs> they'll kind of leave a sour taste. Yeah, it's it, it's mad, isn't it? Because I was asked to write a piece this week about the relationship between the fans and the players. And it, it, it's quite sort of difficult, really, because, like you said, what happened last season, I think all the players have said it, and you know the manager and the coach staff have said it, that it obviously brought everyone together, and it, feel, it felt like that relationship was was bolstered. Yeah. But in the same sense, it almost it still feels brittle as well, in a way, if, if you get what if you get what I mean. Because, at a different level. But not, and it's, it's not it's not because of Lampard necessarily or, or the players. No, no. It's because of stuff going on well, up until maybe this week. It's because of stuff that's been going on off the pitch, and there's obviously been protests, mm. and there's been no signs. People concerned about the the financial situation. You know, all all of those things just has been simmering under the surface, and it feels like that could make things make the relationship between the fans and the football club brittle, but it, it does sort of feel like everyone's on board. Not, maybe not on board is the right way, but everyone's willing to, to get behind these lads and give these lads the full benefit of the doubt. But that's, that's, that's one of the positives. That's one of the positives, if you can call it that, from last season. It was that the bond between manager, players and fans was reinforced in the face of adversity. And that had to happen if Everton was to survive. They, they, and this is why I, I maintain that the only mistake they made with Benitez, they didn't sack him earlier because the players' confidence was eroded. The fans just weren't on board by the end with the style of play, with him, everything to do with that. So it, the bond was rekindled once Lampard came in. That was quite clear. So the fans are behind him, I think, in the main. The fans, now even people like Iwobi, who weren't so popular even maybe six months ago, are now flavour of the month, that they're really positive figures. That's all really positive. And I think the distinction you make is between those relationships and fans' relationship with the upper echelons of the club, which, as you say, I think is still quite brittle. Um, and I think there are still questions for the Everton hierarchy to answer. 
particularly over the finances, particularly over the governance of the club, decision-making, all that kind of stuff. What I hope is that we, we have a situation where there is a period of stability now. One thing Everton need more than ever is for a manager to be in situ for an extended period of time, to put down foundations, and not for people high up to get itchy feet at the first sign of trouble. So hopefully lessons have been learned in that regard. Hopefully people are allowed to kind of, because Lampard's still a young manager, let's be honest, to learn on the job, to make some mistakes, but learn from them to, to, to ultimately move the team forward. And if, if all this season is, is a, a season where we see tangible signs of progress up the table, there's no relegation battle, there some memorable wins, that, that kind of stuff. And you can see the style of play evolving without serious unrest off the off the pitch. And I think probably that's that's a decent outcome. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Yeah. And you know, it's gonna be a big welcome at the weekend. Goodison's yeah, gonna be cool. Blue all over the show. Just a couple of questions maybe before we, we wrap up. Who's our Steve Watson on Saturday? Who's gonna be the emergency striker who scores a hat trick and Kelsey's <laughs> <else is> sword? <laughs> you put me on the spot there. Um Do you want me to give you first or mine? I wouldn't play Dali Ali there. This is my main takeaway. Well, who would you who would you play there then? I'd play a Wobi there. Because I, I think Delhi's gonna have a good season. And I, I, you know, I think he's gonna improve a lot this year. And I wouldn't be averse to playing him there, maybe against Villa or against Forest or Leeds or any of the games we've got coming up, you know, in the next few weeks. But I just look at this and I see the system Chelsea play with the back three. What are we looking at for them? It's probably going to be Silva, Koulibaly, Chalaba, potentially. They've lost a few defenders, haven't they? Asper yeah. might play there. Look at the physicality of those two in particular, Koulibaly and Thiago Silva. And we're not going to have much of the ball. A lot of it's going to be not long. I can't imagine we're going to play through the press very much, really. I just feel like we need someone who's mobile up there. And I can yeah. sort of see Delhi if he's up in that position, being isolated. He's not really going to contest for much, I don't think. He's well, they have to play the ball into him as opposed to I don't playing think, the aerial ball, don't they? I don't think they're necessarily good enough to do that yet, Everton. Yeah. So I'd, I'd play a Wobi there, can lead the press, can run into the channels. Um, but I suppose the issue with that is potentially Lampard might want him in midfield because Alan maybe isn't fit yet. So yeah. he might play alongside the core, eh? and obviously Gara and Anana look like, as we sit here right now, aren't going to be registered in time for the weekend. Or you might want him to play a right wing back because as much as Patterson's been good in pre-season, Awobi was excellent in this fixture you know, at right wing back last season yeah. as well. So I'd go Awobi provided he's got ideas for the other part of the pitch. I just don't think this is the, the right game for, for Delhi to play right at the top end of the pitch. I, I think Awobi might end up being utilised elsewhere. For me, that would be in midfield. But I think Lampard, while his ultimate aim is, is to probably move away from the five at the back, I look to be a bit more proactive, play four in defence, three midfield. I think for now, he realises that when he moves away from it too much, the side comes unstuck. Are they entirely convinced Patterson is the man for this game, for example? That would be one question. So I wouldn't be, in, just as, like, as a guess, an educated guess, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if it would be started at wing back. It wouldn't shock me too much. I'd play Delhi 
up front. But I think what you need to do there is you need to make sure that there's a there's a quick ball into him, and it's not aerial against Kula Bali. And then your wingers, your forwards pinch in and run off him. And there, if he's if he's able to, he, he, he takes the ball quite well. He links pretty well. He's very good technically. If you've got, let's say, Gordon Gray, uh, McNeil, potentially two of the three running off him, then I think you can cause Chelsea problems. Because that back line you mentioned there, the one thing it hasn't got is searing pace, particularly on Silver's side. So I think you ideally you want to isolate Everton's quickest players with somebody like Thiago Silva, get them running at the Chelsea back line. And there will be space because Chelsea play with the wing backs so high up the pitch. There will be space into those channels. So I, I wouldn't be too averse to Tarkovsky, as he's done so well in pre-season, hitting those kind of long diagonals into those areas. It's a brilliant ball that I don't think many people have highlighted against Blackpool in the build-up to the first goal. Yeah, the Mikolenko goal, that's about yeah. I love that goal in general, wing-back to wing-back, but starts with Tarkovsky pinging one diagonally out to, to Patterson. And I think that's the kind of thing that they're going to need to do. That's the, that's the kind of move that could well get them some joy against Chelsea. So I think it might be Delhi. It might be Delhi. There aren't many other options, are there? I mean, Ella Sims and Lewis Dobbin out on loan. Nathan Broadhead, I think, is, has had a little bit of a niggle. Um, and ultimately, I think he will go out on loan as well. So the, the options are few and far between here. Ron Bond suspended. Uh, I'd maybe go with Delhi. Uh, and I wonder if Iwobi gets a new role or uh, reverts to his old role. Um, is a Wobi and Ducore solid enough defensively when you've got Mount running off, Jorginho picking passes? I'm, I'm not so sure. I like both players, but I don't know if they're your Premier League midfield too in, it's in that kind else, of scenario. Whether anybody else is ready, isn't it? Alan's not yeah. played much either. Davis. I think there are question marks over Alan, to be honest, because uh, particularly in a midfield too, because of mobility and... Obviously, he is picking up injuries. He was injured towards the end of last season, which is why Gomez was in. Um, picks up injuries, wrong side of 30. Uh, one year left on his deal and not the most mobile in the midfield too. You do need mobility there if you're going to play with two in the Premier League. Most sides go with three. You do need mobility. Um, so that's another question mark for me. It's how they like set up midfield. I suppose there are question marks more or less all over the pitch. One, one thing you do know is that if it, James Tarkovsky will play, if it, Yerry Mina will play. Um, worried about Yerry. Not seen him in any of the training videos this week, but I suppose mm. we'll find out in a couple of hours from, from Lampard. That yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, if, if fit, he plays, doesn't he? Mm. Simple as that. With Probably is the, the central pillar in a back three with Tarkovsky one side and probably Godfrey. I'd play Godfrey there as, as the other one. I don't think you can do Tarkovsky, Keane and Mina. That no. doesn't seem to have the right blend of attributes, does it? They always say this is about a back three. You sort of need one of the players to be half a fullback. In yeah. The, like yeah. Godfrey, Godfrey, is, Godfrey and Holgate, I think you'd be looking up in that position. So Yeah, you've got Godfrey kind of shut, shuffling yeah. the ball down the right with his, with his pace. A couple of those runs that he did so well in his, in his first season. That's probably the way to go here. Long term, I think we'll see a different, more expansive in a different system, potentially. Um, but it's kind of a case of needs must at the moment, particularly yeah. until new signings are made. Absolutely. Mason, final question. One word from you. Where are we going to finish the season? 14th. Okay. So I'd, 
I, I say this very, very quick to say this because uh, we did predictions for the Athletic. And I, I went through and I put Everton down in, in 14th. Every writer had to predict that the full table had Everton in 14th. Uh, yeah, I mean, most people would take that right now. I oh, think. yeah, I think I'd, I'd take it as long as we're like on 40 points at the start of April. And then yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't go down to the last no few chaos. games. Yeah, no it doesn't chaos. go down to the last few games. Yeah, I, just, I think there were question marks over some teams, like sides like Southampton. How Brentford looked really ropey before Ericsson came in. How do they cope without him? Um, Leeds. Nottingham Forest have just done supermarket sweep. Um, so that can go one of two ways. It's normally not always a positive. Leeds, I mean, I don't know what you think about Jesse Marsh, but certainly from what, he's, from what he says in the media, there's some really bizarre stuff there. Um, how do they do without Calvin Phillips and Rafinha? Uh, the two best players from last season or in previous seasons. And then a couple of the other newly promoted sides, Bournemouth, Fulham. I, I think, I hope they'll be, they'll be all right. Named off the league there, Paddy, and basically they're all shite. So we should be fine, should be top off. Yeah, I think I named about six there, which is how we've got Everton to 14. Like five, we've got Everton to, to 14. What, what, what's your prediction? I think I've, I think I've said 13 from the ones I've done for. Okay. Me, Laz, and Moe's doing a big predictions podcast tonight. I couldn't get any higher than that. I mean, because even I think there were question marks over, like, let's say, Stephen Gerrard as a manager. And his, yeah. his record last season was worse. I feel other than Lampard's was it at Everton. He's just signings, though, don't they? They just like, just look at, the, like, even, like, for example, Coutinho doesn't play, you slot in Buendia. Luca Dean's still a quality player, as we know, at, at left back. I like Bubakar Kamara, who they've signed, admittedly for a lot of money when you include wages. Diego Carlos is all our centre-half, isn't he? Yeah, and then uh, I even like Esri Konsa, to be honest. I think Konsa's got a lot going for him if he can stay fit. And then further forward, you have, for example, Ings and, and Watkins. I really like Ollie Watkins. So it just seems like they've got quite a bit there in terms of quality. So even if Gerard does squander some of it, he's not going to... That they can't completely plummet. That's that's my guess anyway. And I couldn't find many other sites. I was kind of going, could Everton finish above these? Yes or no? Um, and, and I kind of got to got to there. I got to about 14th, which yeah, it's it's no success for Everton Football Club in the grand scheme of things. But in the context of where they've been, I think we'd all probably take that now. I even look at teams like Leicester and Wolves, I think they might struggle this year. Wolves tanked a bit at the end of last season. Wolves possibly. Might- Leicester haven't signed anyone and potentially could be well, they've lost Schmeichel and could be about to lose Madison as well. So Yeah, I mean, at some point, Vardy is going to drop off a cliff. He hasn't done it yet, has he? Um, did a bit last season though, didn't he? And that's why they, they sort of... He got injured more, yeah. which is obviously one of the byproducts of him advancing in years. Yeah, Le- Leicester... I don't think Leicester are what they were, are they? That side needs to transition to something else. Needs a bit of an overhaul, and I think they accept that, but need to be careful with the way they go about it. That not loads of wiggle room. I quite like Palace. I quite like Palace's recruitment, but I think that where they may come unstuck in is in the fact that they don't have a lot of experience and a lot of big game experience. There's loads of lads there. I think on their day they're really good, but they might just have a stinker, as they did in the second half at Goodison, for example. Love Michael Olise. On the uh, on the right wing, think he's going to be 
an absolutely top player and still regret Everton not going in for him when he was eight, available for eight million from Reading. Their their entire team is like that, isn't it? Just full of players that I wish we'd sign. Mark Mark Gerhi at yeah. centre back as well. I think he's, I think he's the, the business. Eze is really good, although obviously picked up a bad injury. Um, Gallagher last season, but yeah, the list goes on. Gallagher. So they, I mean, they they've done things well. I think maybe they might just lack a little bit of something when uh, push comes to shove. Um, but yeah, I've, I've I've kind of convinced myself that there's enough bad teams in the league for Everton to to stay in relative safety. Let, yeah, let's see right. how it goes. I agree. I agree. Oh, yeah. I look at the, the three teams that have come up as well and just not sure about any of them, really. So, but yeah. We've always got for the yeah. entire week there, mate. So, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> full, full like, a, like a therapy session this before the start of the season. There'll be many places doing an in-depth preview at the bottom half, but, you know, I think we've got it, we've got it covered there. Yeah, no, I mean, I spent the latter part of last season watching every Burnley game. So, I mean, if, oh, yeah. if, if, if there's one thing, I'd like to get back to not doing that kind of thing. How are, how are Leeds getting on? How are Burnley getting on? Actually having to watch Burnley games of football, even without Sean Dyche. Just... Although apparently they play lovely stuff on the Vincent Company now. But, you know, yeah, they probably, probably will. That anymore. They probably will do, but they're a problem for next season when they get promoted again, hopefully. 100%. 100%. Well, cheers for that, mate. Enjoy nice it. Anyway. Uh, yeah, good. everyone for listening. Cheers for watching. I hope you enjoyed Paddy's visceral fist pump at the start. <laughs> Edit that out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you're watching us on YouTube, press the subscribe button at the bottom. If you're listening to us on our po- po- podcast platforms, uh, try saying that fast, um, do subscribe as well. Leave a comment if you've got something nice to say. And yeah, look out for that podcast uh, with me, Mose, and Les. That'll be, we're doing that in person tonight over a, a couple of pints. So as you see, my dog's just trying to get up there. She's had enough of me recording now. Um, <laughs> So yeah, look out for that. There's also an interview Rob did with Steve Ceruti from the Ringer podcast, who's a big Evertonian and Roma fan. Uh, they spoke about the toffees, about Roma, and about the NBA as well, if, if that's your sort of thing. So that's out as well. What so. time does that conversation stop? <laughs> I think the Everton... <laughs> I'm saving it for a big run I'm doing today. So I'm gonna put go- some timestamps underneath the YouTube right. video, and I'll, I'll know a- when I can switch in and I'll when I can check out. Audio content in at the start. How about right. that? Cool. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's available as well. And then all you just up on Blue Room Extra, patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. If you want to hear a little bit more from us, we will be doing transfer specials on Idrissa Gay and on Anana as well. But yeah, that's it. That's been your weekly show. Cheers for tuning in. We'll be back this weekend with your instant reaction to the Chelsea game. We'll speak to you then up the toppies. Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.